Welcome, folks, to uh, episode 270 Alpha of the UCAP Daily from the Sebring U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. This is the preview episode. Uh, uh, Jeb and I are sitting here in his kitchen, uh, uh, kind of preparing for ourselves for, for departing tomorrow morning to go out to uh, Sebring Airport to uh, check out the uh, so-called LSA show. And and although David's not in town and not going to be able to attend, uh, he didn't want to miss out. He didn't want to be be neglected no. here. So no uh, so he's joining us by telephone for a few minutes, and we're going to just kind of kind of share our thoughts about what might we might expect when we head out to Sebring tomorrow. Um, it's uh, I don't know. Is there news about about in the LSA and the Sport Aviation Expo, you know, Sport Aviation World that I haven't been hearing about because it seems very quiet. Well, it's not unusual for things to run up to a show like this. Yeah. Uh, Say again, David, it's not unusual what? For, for it to get a little quiet on a run up to a show like this because at the show is where so many people, so many companies want to want to make whatever splash they're going to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, do it with the crowd and all the media there, and if they unleash a lot out ahead of time, it kind of steals their own thunder. So okay, makes uh, sense. But there should be some new things to see and smell and sniff. So well, what's the buzz? What are you hearing about things to see and hear and sniff? Uh, not a lot, but I've been reading about who's showing up and uh, things that are rumored to be in the works. And uh, I think most of all, you're going to hear a lot of discussion about how the FAA is starting to deal with the light sport community, uh, the impact of the uh, proposal, the, 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 the not the proposal, what would you call it, the uh, request from AOPA and EAA that the FAA consider lifting a medical requirement for certain class of four-seat right. fixed-gear, 180-horse airplanes. Uh, I was wondering almost, about that. Yeah, do you think, yeah, do you think that's going to hurt the LSA uh, consternation there. Yeah. Huh? Why is there consternation? There's some feeling that, uh, that uh, some of the things that the FAA is working on and going on around the edges and that the uh, uh, organizations are doing uh, or acknowledged that they could have some big impact on the light sport community, and the outfits have said, well, that's why we consulted with them, and the people in the light sport community are going, uh, what? Mm-hmm. Can you give uh, me... Con- can- consulted with us on what? Yeah. David, can you give me an example of, of some proposed change that might have an impact on the LSA world? Well, that that medical requirement change for uh, expanding basically a sport pilot-type medical qualification to private pilots that are not flying instrument, that are flying fixed gear, four seat, no more than 180 horse airplanes. Right. Uh, well, that's going to have an impact on the LSA community. There's no way around it. But How? Well, some of the pilots that they already are getting who are not going to get their medical renewed because they'll fail. Mm-hmm. So you think sport is an option, but if they can stick with their 172, uh, their Cherokee 160 or 180, uh, then there's a light sports sale that's not going to happen. Yeah. Do you, Do you think the LSA industry has really been very heavily targeting uh, the 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 aging private pilot market? I don't think they have to target. I think the aging private pilot market looks at that and says, "Wow, here's a way to 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 put off being an ultralight only pilot." Uh huh. Jeb, I'm not so sure about that. I don't see a whole lot of LSAs being sold to pilots who are no longer capable of getting a third-class medical. It's, I'm sure it's happening. I don't see that as the primary market. Uh, what I do see is the primary market for LSAs right now is uh, training organizations. 
people wanting to learn how to fly. And all of a sudden, there's this sport pilot certificate out there. They need 20 hours, not 40. Um, yeah, there's some limitations imposed. But for roughly half the amount of money, uh, maybe less, if, if you uh, f- figure in the, the re- slightly reduced price of, of renting an LSA, they can become a pilot and get a piece of paper or you know, a plastic card that says they're a pilot, and they can take you know a passenger with them, and they can go do stuff. Right. That certainly was the the intent. Well, that's I, I think that's ultimately now again. I'm not saying a lot of people are going out and buying LSAs. Period. Okay. What I am saying is I would think a lot of those people buying LSAs are flight training organizations, and they're doing it because there's a demand for the sport pilot certificate. There's a demand for a new tech. Uh, fuel-efficient, lightweight aircraft. Um, I think you, you and I, I are on the same wavelength. We're on actually. the same page, but here's where yeah. I differ with you, Dave. I think just as perhaps myself, uh, I still can get a medical. I still fly the Debonair, which would not qualify uh, for operation without a medical certificate under these proposals. But my point is, if I were going to let's let's think. You know, way, way off in the future, um, <laughs> where I, I'm no longer able to get a medical. I'm not necessarily going to go out and buy an LSA. Oh, I no I might find the champ. I might find the cub. I might do nothing. I don't know. I might, you know, horror of horrors, um, um, do something, you know, completely out uh, out of uh, out of character, shall we say? But I, um, I don't uh, disagree. I, I that think that be. there's a there's a steady small percentage yeah. of older guys that are coming out of their bonanzas and their and their uh, barons and their uh, Comanches and such and saying, you know, I want something that I can still do a little traveling in. I can do this. It's a small percentage, but when you've got a market that's only selling four, three hundred, four hundred airplanes a year, losing two or three percentage points means a lot to some of those dealers, uh, and it will also mean, you know, that. You wouldn't necessarily buy that champ. You might buy another 172 like you used to have. Right. But I guess what I'm trying to say is um, under the existing regulatory framework, if I was flying my Debonair and was not able to get my medical, what I think I'd probably end up doing would be buying a, a Cub or, or a champ or something like that. Um, if this rule goes into effect, yeah, I might consider a Skyhawk or an RV or or something like that. Yeah. Um, nowhere in this mix was I considering buying an LSA. Okay. I mean, I'm not convinced that you're not the exception there because I I've always had a sense that there's a lot of aging po- private pilots who are embracing LSA because they feel like they are they don't want to deal with the medical thing. Sport pilot. As opposed to certificate or the privilege, right? As opposed to the aircraft type LSA. Well, that's but, what I think the distinction. Okay. Is. Yeah, they're probably you know yeah they they'd love to have a brand new LSA, but especially once they get up in years, um, and especially the way the economy's tanked, a lot of retirement plans. Uh, I don't think seniors, people who are losing their medical because of old age, have the cash to go buy an LSA. Oh, see, I, I'm not sure if I agree with that. I think I think it's the the older private pilots that have the cash. I think that's what's driven the prices of these things to be so high. I think that's what's driven them to be so well equipped. I think what's driven the prices of them so high 
is because they're being sold to flight training organizations who can deduct a lot of the cost of the acquisition. Could be right. We'll follow up on this story when we get to... Uh, I have absolutely no data on which to back this up, mm-hmm. but how many people do you know own a, a new or relatively new LSA versus how many flight schools of which you are aware who have all these brand new LSAs? Well, I don't know but very many of either, to be honest with you. But, yeah. Okay, David, finish up the thought and we'll move on here. Well, it just, it's going to be a subject of discussion. It's going to be it's kind of a point of angst among some of these guys. Uh, and I think there's some, uh, uh, some cause for that on their, on their part. Uh, I think it just means that they need to knuckle down and compete a little bit better and, uh, maybe convince some of these guys that are still, you know, still in the game. Uh, that uh, even if they could fly a four-seater, economically, one of these new ones nicely tricked out might be a better option for them. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be some other stuff. Safety is, you know, is always a cutting-edge issue, some workshops down there. But mostly I think there's going to be a little low-level buzz on uh, some new products and some new ways to have some fun. Uh-huh. Okay. One final note, just as with almost everything else we talk about on UCAP, I have absolutely no facts to back up. <laughs> That's a subject that may come up in the main podcast. We'll see. Uh, let's see now. What else is going on here? Um, whatever happened to the shakeout? Has the shakeout quietly happened? Did the, did, did, are, have LSA uh, manufacturers disappeared in the last year? Not that I've been able to tell. There's some of them that don't have the market presence here in the U.S. that they did three, four years ago uh, because they weren't selling enough units. Uh, their dealerships or distributorships are, are, are small and few and far between, and they don't sell many airplanes. They don't have a lot of money to market, but they're out there. Uh, then on the other hand, you got folks like uh, uh, Flight Design, uh I, I, it sounds like Vans is selling its RV12 really smartly uh, real, and, and doing a good business there. That one you have to build, but it's still pretty much a bun, burger, bun kit. Uh, heck, the uh, the guys at Cub Crafters that we've visited with in the past. I saw this story. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they just delivered their 200, their LSA. Yeah. And, and they build more than LSAs, but they just delivered their 200. And, uh, and that's a really... Specialty little LSA. Yeah, a manufacturer like Cub Crafters is pretty much an exception to the rule I'm thinking of. I would think that a Cub Crafter product would more likely be sold to a seasoned pilot looking to downgrade than it would be to a flight training organization or a new sport pilot. I, I, I hear your argument, and I, it does make some sense. It's kind of. I'm co- thinking when I'm, when I'm thinking of going to flight training organizations. Uh, um, I'm thinking of the CTs and the Remus, right? And the, the what used to be the Piper Sport is now the back to whatever it was. Yeah, um, aircraft like that um, <clears throat> with glass panels, et cetera, et cetera. Um, glass is certainly the way to go in an LSA for weight savings. Um, Apparently, for money savings as well. Probably so. Certainly, uh, savings in installation and manufacturing costs. Maybe not uh, savings in actual acquisition of the hardware. Yeah. So, anyways, let's see what else is going on here. Um, well, it's going to be busy as hell in the air over there. Uh, I mean, you got flying starting at seven o'clock in the morning over there tomorrow. Yep. Powered parachutes followed by the other airplanes pretty much all day long until uh, until about six uh, fifteen every day. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, the weather will be good this year. Last year it rained a couple of days, and that was kind of 
Really? Well, hopefully what well, you've got cooking through there won't settle in and make itself a pest. Yeah, I think I heard a forecast that said it was going to get nice after this thing passes through, so we'll see. Um, Jeb, you'll be happy to hear that uh, there's a lot of uh, of wine activity going on. At, I don't understand this. I want to go to Miami. Yeah. So, no I, uh, no joke. If you look at the schedule of the, of the Sebring Expo, there's like three or four different food and beverage events that have sort of a wine and cheese gourmet kind of thing. Uh, no, there's not. If you go to uh, sportaviationexpo.com, you can find it from there. But uh, David, you have it in front of you, right? Am I right? There's like there's like three or four different wine and cheese gourmet food kind of things. I don't quite get that. I, I... Well, some of these are industry associates. They they're putting on a good face. We've seen this at Sun and Fun and Oshkosh for years, where local officials had uh, a little soiree for the exhibitors and advertisers that were showing up to populate their the show in their town. Uh, Llama's got a dinner. Uh, uh, so, yeah, this is kind of a this is kind of a merger of a trade show and a consumer event. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trade show part of it being the the the, the light sport manufacturers and, and, and sellers and and the hardware people that support it. Uh, the consumer show being the folks that come in, some of whom are there to you know kick tires and look for maybe they want to buy it. They, maybe they want to invest in becoming a dealer or a distributor or yeah. Yeah. adding something to their flight school. And then this is the place where all the light sports stuff pretty much dominates. Right. Yeah. So yeah, now it wouldn't be a uh, it wouldn't be a popular fly-in if there wasn't going to be a, uh, a TFR someplace in the neighborhood, and there is. Apparently, the <laughs> president is coming to Orlando. I think tomorrow, Thursday, and uh, and so a big red circle around uh, Orlando, and uh, it doesn't quite cover Sebring, but it kind of gets down to that area. Anybody coming from the north is going to have to be careful. Don't get themselves well, messed up. Not only do you have to be careful of the TFR, but if you're trying to avoid the TFR, you need to remember how close the Tampa Class Bravo is, just west of the Orlando airspace. Yeah, I guess that's true. You're coming north, south in Florida, you got to thread the needle any day. So, uh. Generally speaking, with the LSA crowd, you're talking about aircraft that are slower and have pilots have a lot more time to deal with that kind of airspace. Uh, another, a different show, AOPA even, uh, would be a problem. Certainly Lakeland, you know, yeah. sun fun is always a problem. Yeah. yeah. Well, didn't they light up, uh, uh, they light, lit up, uh, Camp David during the AOPA fly-in, I think the very last time they ever had one over there at, uh, at, uh, Frederick, so. Yeah, that kind of sucky timing, isn't it? I know, huh? What were they thinking? They were doing exactly what they wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, right. yep, which is pretty much what they do. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, we're going to be uh, meeting up with some good friends while we're uh, there uh, over the next few days. Uh, we're going to, uh, let's see now, um, our friend uh, Howie Marlin from uh, Martha's Vineyard. He's the uh, filmmaker video guy who's producing the uh, video about uh, kids learning how to fly. Um, is also involved with an organization called the Flying Musicians. And uh, they will, including Har- Howie, will be there uh, throughout the uh, weekend, uh, apparently performing pretty much nonstop. The musicians, not Howie, but uh, he'll be one of the musicians, as I understand it. And uh, that'll be fun. They were at the uh, AOPA, um, they don't call it the Expo anymore, whatever they call that thing up in, it was up in Connecticut. Summit. Yeah. The Summit. The Summit. They were, dun, the, dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. they were at the Summit, and but I never got a chance to actually hear them play, so uh, we kind of crossed in the night. But uh, so that'll be good to meet Howie. Um, we're going to probably cross paths with uh, with uh, well, with definitely with Amy. Amy's going to be up there, uh, and is she James. Bringing, is she bringing her own wine? 
<laughs> James is going to be there. Um, let's see, a bunch of listeners. Oh, he, he's definitely going to have to bring his own. Uh, I understand Turbo is going to be there, uh, and uh, we might see Comanche Sue. I'm not sure she's from this area, and uh, Jamie Beckett is going to be in town. So, uh, so we're going to get a chance to uh, visit, we're, and we're going to be doing. So that'll be kind of casual meeting, you know, on the grounds. We're going to do our formal meetup on Saturday morning at 11 a.m. in the uh, Terminal Building Cafe. Anybody uh, who hears this in time and wants to come on by uh, and join us for for brunch. Or breakfast, or a cup of coffee, or whatever. We'll be hanging out in the yeah, terminal building near the near or in the terminal building cafe on Saturday morning, starting around eleven. So uh, it's going to be fun. Let's wrap this thing up. Uh, anything else, so, Jeb? What are you looking forward to? Anything in particular? You know, you you you've been all along. You, you've been you haven't hesitated. I'm going to the Sebring show. I'm going first day. What, what what's? Well, yeah. Um, I always try to do the first day of the show for some reason. Um, it's it's I would guess the best day because everybody's fresh and um, the weekend hasn't arrived, so people with day jobs haven't haven't really started uh, infiltrating it, shall we say? And um, uh, it's it's a slower pace, but you get some quality time with with the exhibitors if you want it. Um, the exhibits are nice and fresh and, and that kind of thing. It would be interesting to see it on day one and then to see it again on Saturday. I think that's one of the reasons I want to go back on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, it's always a good show. I do have a little bit of shopping to do, you know, pick up some, some oil and get a good price on it and things like that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, mainly I'm just kicking tires. Yeah. David, any final thoughts? I just wish I was there. Yeah. Well, not too late, David. Get on an airplane. Come on. They have this new invention now. It's called an airliner. I'd love to, but, uh, the, the other half of the household has to travel starting tomorrow and there's some stuff that has to be tended to. So somebody has to stay this, here and do this it. This is why I don't have a dog. That's right. You're going to like take care of Charlotte. So, uh, anyways. All right. Well, listen, this has been, uh, this has been UCAP, uh, 270 Alpha. That's Jeb, Jeb Burnside. Uh, Dave Higdon's on the phone and I'm Jack Hodgson. We'll be back with another UCAP daily probably tomorrow. We'll see you at one of these wine and food tasting parties at, at, uh, LSA. Expo. Have a happy sea break. <laughs>